Enjoy, Ed. Enjoy. That is a buffet for you. Oh, man. He bit that one out the ace and the king? Uh, yes, he did. And I, that was super sexy. That's really, yeah. that's full of sack right there, Ed. I got to give you well, sack points for that. He read Celeste. He read her like a book. <laughs> Welcome to Witch Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. This is our 100th episode. And in celebration, we're bringing you board game treasures from over 100 years ago. Ancient relics. What are they? Let's find out. First up, we find out how rich pleasure cruisers passed their time a century ago before there were round-the-clock buffets as we play Contract Bridge. Next, we fly back millennia as we help build a great wall with our friends and then try to win it from them in Mahjong. And lastly, it's the Middle Ages as we pit ruthless invaders against a well-protected king in a race to the edge in Hanafel Tafel. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid Game Explorers! Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein, and today all percentile dice rolls come up hot hot. <laughs> I'm at Povlidit, and I'll bid 100! This is Joe Unfried, welcoming all of you to the next 100 episodes. <laughs> I'm Mike Grenier, and I want to thank all our fans for propelling us into the triple digits! And let's give a hearty welcome back to Joe for our 100th episode. Big Joe. Oh, thank you. Joey, you. Hey, Witch Game Firsters. We are playing games online live. Come and see us. Thursday nights on the Witch Game First Twitch channel, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We turn on our cameras and enter the game arena. So you'll get to see our pained expressions as we make terrible moves. I'll sneak in every week to proofread your comments in the feed. And you can watch as any one of us, sometimes me, become the champion of the game. <laughs> sometimes. No, don't humble it down. <laughs> That's that does cute. win once in a while. <laughs> we let him. Thursday night, 6.30 East Coast time. Which game first? Twitch. We interact with you live. We answer your questions. We play. We laugh. And I personally Definitely take tips from the comment feed on how to play. <laughs> but not before I grab them. Yeah, so please, please help me play these games. <laughs> we will see you all there. See you there, everybody. Our first game up this week is Contract Bridge, designed by Harold Sterling Vanderbilt in oh. 1925. Number of players, four. No more, no less. <laughs> All right, Mike, this one could be a challenge, but why don't you tell us what's in the box? All right. Well, if you look at the box, it's adorned with a grinning cherub atop an old-timey bicycle. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> or several other variations, but that's a really popular one. <laughs> Inside, there are 52 cards divided into four equal factions, consisting of four royalty cards like kings and assassins, and nine peasant cards, ranging from 2 to 10. There are also two joker cards and a hand-ranking card. 
And despite the lack of a rulebook, there are thousands of game variants posted online. <laughs> In case anybody still doesn't understand, Mike has just described a... Uh, <laughs> a standard deck of cards. A standard 52 <laughs> deck. I believe it's called the French deck, I believe. <laughs> and that's... What's in the box? Well, before we let you know if keeping up with the Vanderbilts is worth buying two fresh decks for, Evan, tell us how Contract Bridge is played. Sure thing, Celeste. In Contract Bridge, or simply Bridge, two partnerships are pitted against each other in a trick-taking card game that uses a standard deck. The first phase is the auction, where partners communicate information about their hands by bidding in order to arrive at a successful contract. The contract specifies how many tricks must be taken by the team that wins the bid. Then, the team that won the bid tries to win as many tricks as possible while playing both hands from the partnership. One hand is played normally, while the other, the dummy hand, is placed face up on the table, allowing for greater control. The defenders attempt to take enough tricks to make the contract fail. A game continues until one partnership earns 100 points below the line. And the first partnership to win two games wins the rubber. The rubber. <laughs> All right, guys. How long have we been playing Contract Bridge for? Oh, since the 17th century when it was... No, since 1925. Well, the, the earliest form of bread came in in 1886. Even before that, though, they, there are references as early as the 16th century in England. What? In fact, they had euchre, I think. I forget the Jane Austen novel. They had that, and it's mentioned a lot in, like, Theodore Dreisler's novels. Sister Carrie, that was the novel. There were several prototype games of bridge, and some of these names you may recognize. They were games called Triumph, Trump, Rough, slam, whisk, <laughs> and whist, among among others. I've heard of whist before mm -hmm. because I've I've seen it mentioned in movies or you know people in the 1800s sitting around the table playing whist. A nice game of whist. Did whist actually come from the? It was somewhere on the British Isles, and it, and it meant shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you try to say oh, that's something, brilliant. Joe. That's brilliant. It wasn't necessarily rude. It'd be something you'd say to a that you wanted to be quiet and go to sleep. Like, hush? Yeah. Well, in it, which is in, kind of interesting. I don't know if this directly relates, but in bridge, you do have to keep a certain amount of table composure and non-talking because anything could be construed as, as illegal communication mm -hmm. between your partners, especially during the bidding process. Oh, that's very true, yeah. So hush could be have something to do with that. Maybe, maybe not. I bet it does. We have a lot of respect for that process. So, pool, uh, so, Evan, did he go to the pool club today? Was it at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Have you had your dog spayed? Man, I, you know, I should go to the doctor and have my heart checked. Like, I had about three scares this week. <laughs> oh, those, those four clubs I visited last week? Boy, I'm still feeling that. Who, who knew about the void of outer space? I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, I took Celeste's car out and I, uh, I, I wrecked one of her tires. I, I don't have the heart to tell <laughs> And hey, with modern times being what they are, if you want to say no Trump, I mean, that means a lot of things now. <laughs> See, you get it, folks? Table talk. Illegal table talk, illegal communication. Oh, wow, we'd be thrown out of every bridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. The way we play bridge. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Bridge tournaments are eerily person. silent. When you take people who are, among other things, role players, mm -hmm. right, and 
kind of, you know, people who have a certain sense of flair and drama in a lot of things that they do when it comes to their gaming, and you put them in an environment like Bridge, <laughs> oh boy, yeah. you are adding oil to the water, <laughs> effectively. <laughs> you can't help yourself. I mean, how do we not, you know, it, it's really hard. It takes a lot of concentration to not talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it muster that kind of discipline. I would not want to be a member of a bridge club that I was part of. <laughs> Vander- <laughs> Vanderbilt would have thrown you overboard. <laughs> oh, yes, he would have. We Vanderbilt. don't deliberately cheat. We don't, but we just can't, especially me. I can't keep quiet. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. yeah, I love it. Just in the tone that you say the word pass, you can convey so much. Mm. Sure. The bidding is by far the most fun part of this game. Especially if you're getting annoyed with your partner. Like, pass? (laughs) (laughs) Question mark? That's right. That's right, Joe. And this game has something I think a lot of other games don't have, where one player shits out every game. Yes, and it's very common for that player who becomes the dummy hand to get up and start looking at everybody else's hands. And that's allowed. Oh, they can look at everybody's hands? Because they're not supposed to say anything. They're, they're mm-hmm. not in this hand. So yeah. when you play bridge, you bid with a partner. But if you guys win the bid, one of you doesn't play. Only one partner has to play. And it's kind of interesting because your partner can put you in a really tough situation. <laughs> Let's say I open a bid with spades. That means even if Ed, if, if he's my partner, even if he bids up to five spades, 11 tricks out of only 13, mm-hmm. I'm the one that's got to play it because I opened that suit. I have to play it. And Ed yeah, is just go. sitting there and I get to give him the stink eye the whole time while I have to play through <laughs> 11 hands. But, you know, I opened up my mouth and I said spades, so I got to live with it no matter <laughs> what my partner up. is. Hey, that means you got points. Hey, I got points. I got a few spades. Let's do it. Right. (laughs) I could just imagine myself while looking over somebody's shoulder on the other team and just with a horrified expression, you know, I'm sure that's against the rules, but I'm like, oh my God, they're going to crush us face. (laughs) You know, it'd be hard to avoid doing that. And uh, I uh, discovered it's called Contract Bridge because it replaced the old version of Bridge, which was Auction Bridge. Mm -hmm. How did that work as opposed to Contract Bridge? Well, Contract Bridge was invented by Harold Vanderbilt in 1925 on an ocean liner called the USS Finland. Uh, Yeah, some people think Cornelius Vanderbilt did it. He was way too busy to deal with card games. Harold wasn't. No, Harold wasn't. (laughs) Harold was Thanks to Grandpa, this new game eventually replaced Auction Bridge with a new version of the game, Contract Bridge, which is regarded as more challenging, which is why it replaced the old Auction Bridge, because you don't just get credit for every trick you take, only for those tricks that you or your teammate bid on in advance and then are still able to take. Which is so much better. Mm. So Mm. much. However, it has led to some very arcane scoring conventions. The scoring of Contract Bridge is bananas. Uh, Because scoring points above the line, below the line, doubled, redoubled, um, vulnerable, not vulnerable. I mean, what's so hard about that? (laughs) (laughs) It makes perfect sense. And every trick is worth a different amount. Spades, clubs, hearts, no trumps. They're all worth different amounts. Well, yeah. I mean, isn't that obvious? You got the minors <laughs> and the majors. Yeah, and there's no there's no mathematical progression to it. It's not like two tricks over is necessarily going to be double the bonus of being one trick over. Yeah. Right. It's not formulaic. No. You could teach people how to play bridge long before you could teach them how to score bridge. 
Uh, oh, absolutely. I still have trouble remembering how to score a bridge. I keep a bridge score pad with the rules and how to score near me at all times, just in case I have to play bridge and have to figure out how to score it because no way my memory can handle all that. Yep. If you're going to start playing bridge, I highly recommend getting yourself a score pad. First off, I'm a huge fan of score pads. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, you are. Um, but not golf pencils. Yeah, but not golf pencils. Get yourself a decent pencil. It's been a while since I played bridge. Do you actually get points for winning? Like once you've won, you get some extra points on top of that? Oh, yeah. The overtrick. For additional tricks. Overtrick. Yes. They're above the line. Make your, make your contract and then extra tricks, extra points. Between games, you get a bonus too. You get a bonus wow. for winning the first game. But then you're vulnerable. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the trick-taking concept is is pretty easy to learn and you can take it with you to a bunch of other games after this too. And it is age old. It far predates break. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and trick-taking is fun. Absolutely mm-hmm. fun. I mean, what's not fun about throwing down cards and, and being the one that gets to grab everybody else's cards when you take them? I think that bridge adds a sense of ceremony to that though, which is great. You know, it's like <laughs> One person's the dummy, a hand is laid out. It's all very orderly, not like hearts and spades where you just toss, 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 grab. It's mm-hmm. neatly collect them, stack them to the side. So should you also be putting on your hat with the giant feather and eating a cucumber sandwich and drinking <laughs> tea while you play this game? Sure, sure. And, and you should be playing with Aunt Effie. Aunt Effie. Oh, yes, <laughs> from the 1920s. <laughs> Good old Aunt Effie should come along on the cruise and we'll all play... Rousing rounds of bridge. And Effie's bringing Charlie McCarthy to be her partner. <laughs> <laughs> so learning to take the trick is not the hard part. It's remembering what's been, been passed and what people have already mm-hmm. used so that you mm-hmm. can keep track of like... You have to count yeah, cards. Exactly. Yes. Yep. And it's a little interesting that that is a strong strategy in this type of trick-taking game because all the cards are out. Mm-hmm. Unlike some games where, you know, some of the cards might still be in the deck. Every single card is out. There's nowhere to hide. Somebody has that ace. Who? Yeah, some, it's fun to try to flush that card out from somebody else, too. Do it, Mike. Do it. Yeah. I got this, Evan. Don't worry. Damn! Yeah, yeah. How about that eight? Jump. Oh, gosh. With a 10. Oh, my love. Yeah. That's Show awful. got that eight. Jump, That's jump. Awful. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we oh, took oh, that. Oh, my God. What the? Okay. Interesting <laughs> strategy there. You got to pay attention every single hand. Mm-hmm. That's right. It keeps you engaged. Absolutely keeps you engaged throughout. Yeah. Well, there is a certain point where you can kind of say, I concede because I know that what's going to happen with the next few hands too. Yeah, maybe those last two. Many times good bridge players who really know what they're doing can call a game four tricks out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I've, seen, I've seen it happen. Oh, oh, I've just on the, the very first play because the defenders have to make the very first card play without seeing any other card play. The only information they have is what the other partnership bid on. Mm-hmm. That's right. And their own bids. That's right. And their mm-hmm. own bids. Because sometimes right. I might throw down a heart because my partner bid hearts, even though we're the defenders and I don't have the ace, assuming <laughs> or praying rather that he has the ace. <laughs> I love right. that feeling of dread, actually, when you're... Like make a bid that you're not quite sure if you can reach and then your partner lays their hand down and it's just complete garbage and you're like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh. yeah. yeah. And uh, the hand that's on the table is information for everybody. So mm-hmm. the opponents know half of your hand. 
They know half your hand, but they don't know what their partner has. Right. And I have delighted in watching the defending partnership freak out about the cards <laughs> they didn't have. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You bit that without the ace or king? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to dig through that dumpster trying to get to the shiny new yeah. quarter at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you can see it. Like, the, the, uh-oh, we're dead. When, uh, oh, a 10 took that hand. Yep. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, this is going to be a nightmare. Trouble. <laughs> In Bridge, there's a lot of code language. And what I mean by that, it's not cheating language, but it's just conventions that are accepted. They are called bridge conventions. In, at a tournament, you'd have to write down what your convention is because there's supposed to be no secret communication. So if you have a convention where, oh, if I open with to no Trump, it means I have 25 more, or more points. And if that is your convention, you have to let your opponent know what you mean by saying to no Trump. Yeah, it only works if the other person has has access to the same code you're talking. They're right. Heck, if a player has their hand in their has their cards in their left hand versus their right hand, that could be a tell or a communication. Oh, yeah. mm. You know, I, I'm putting it in my left hand this time because I got crap. I'm putting it in my right hand because I'm strong in this suit or something. There's several cheat conventions that are named <laughs> wow. that everybody knows about, such as the Alcatraz coup which is an illegal <laughs> deliberate maneuver designed to gain information from opponents by failing to follow suit during a play. Wow. Oh, interesting. And the Chicago convention, which is an illegal tongue-in-cheek convention used against one's opponent to claim a fouled hand. For instance, while playing, a player picks up a hand without values and through prior secret agreement, recites a phrase such as, how is your aunt in Chicago? Right, yeah. <laughs> Do you like apples? <laughs> then there's a cheating called coffee housing, which says a player may not perform extraneous or overt actions with the express purpose of frustrating a distracted player. Okay, I love these names. I love these names. What's an example of that? Snapping cards, drumming fingers, false flattery, sarcasm, embarrassment. Oh, there, yes, a co- an honor code. Sort wow. Of. What can you do when you're playing True. bridge? <laughs> okay, so I be, only because I've been to one, and I was very young when, when it happened. I, was, I think it was like 13 or 14 years old, and I went and witnessed a bridge tournament once. It's like a golf tournament. Silence. The only thing you're hearing is bidding, and that is really... And, and the shuffling of cards and the movement of cards, and that is it. You could hear pins drop in that room. Wow. That's weird. They take it so seriously. It doesn't sound like a great spectator sport. It could be. It could be. If it's done right, it could actually be. What's very interesting in some of these um, tournaments is that everybody playing with a preset deck where the cards are ordered in a very precise way and everybody playing with the same exact ordering of cards. Do you mean they pre-shuffle it and the cards come out in a certain order? They're set in a, a precise order so everybody's going to get the same hand what, what you're saying is the deck is arranged the same way for every single group correct the deck is arranged for all of the teams 
all the north positions will have the exact same hand. All the west positions will have the exact same hand. That makes sense in a tournament, right? Yeah, it's it's traceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody starts off with just bad luck hands. It's all right. the same. And then uh, the teams are scored based on how well they did. Oh. Yes, that's that's interesting. That is the most yeah. structure I've ever seen with a deck of cards in my life. I built a I built a house out of it. <laughs> well, that's deck true. That's cards one, so that's pretty. <laughs> I'll end my comments with this. His name is Bob Hammond. He's considered the greatest bridge player in the world, <laughs> perhaps of all time. Whoa, this guy. celebrity among He's known as players. Mr. Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> He's so fun at a party. Oh, here comes Mr. Bridge. <laughs> you know, guys, when I opened this, I said, how long have we been playing this game? And you guys launched into history. But actually what I meant was, how long have we, the five of us, been <laughs> playing bridge together? Oh, 25 years easily probably 25 years and we're and we're still terrible there was a time they were actually using conventions and getting half decent yeah (laughs) there was a time there was a time we have to attach gopros to ourselves and go to a bridge club and sit down and see what happens (laughs) they're gonna be so mad (laughs) (laughs) okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury contract bridge ed Lately, my go-to card game for four players has been teach. Boo! But Bridge is my favorite trick-taking game and would love to bring this to more of my friends. Dig it up. Mike? I love taking tricks and I love seeing people's faces twisted in horror as they see the hand they need to deal with. So I will say dig it up. Evan? Contract Bridge is competitive, I find it engaging, and it is my favorite game involving tricks. Dig it up. Joe? I do love how the turn of a single card halfway through, the rubber can really fix you up or take you down. Definitely dig it up. This is hands down one of my very favorite games to play ever. It is highly social. It is, believe it or not, a thrill a minute. Dig it up. Evan, where can you find Bridge? Oh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to find. Uh, Just open any drawer in your house and you'll find Bridge. (laughs) But Bridge decks are a little smaller, actually, so you can hold them in your hand, believe it or not. But yes, you can play with any standard. Uh, You can buy that at any drugstore, can't you? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Look, folks, the most important thing to get yourself is a score pad. (laughs) But if you need to play today, go ahead online and print yourself out a score sheet. They're all over the place and thousands of people ready to teach you online how to play this game. Oh, yeah. If you have thoughts about Contract Bridge, boy, would we love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up is Mahjong. Number of players, three to four. Mikey, tell us what comes in the Mahjong box. This box is a sturdy, polished wooden suitcase with a mighty dragon etched into the surface. Often. Often, yeah. Oh, there's so many. (laughs) But that's my favorite kind. So that's the one I want to imagine that we played with. Inside, there's 144 stackable tiles designed to make a satisfying clack. They're divided into suits, sticks, coins, and characters, ranging from 1 to 9, and some special factions like flowers, dragons, and the four winds. And that's... 
what's in the box. (laughs) Before we tell you whether it's worth splurging for the full jade set of tiles, Evan, tell us how it's played. Mahjong is an ancient Chinese game played with a set of 144 tiles that is similar to Rummy. Four players take turns drawing from the wall or from the other player's discards in an attempt to form a set of melds. Here are the melds. Chow, a number sequence, for example, five, six, seven, all of the same suit. Chow. <laughs> Pung. Pung. Three of the same tile. Three of a kind. That's easy. Kung. Kung. Is four of the same tile, which can be taken out of turn from the discard. An I is a pair of tiles, which can only be taken from the discards to win the game, calling Mahjong. A winning set must have four melds and one I. That's pretty easy to understand, right? There are lots of rules variants for Mahjong. Sure. And Mahjong is not what you think it is if you've been playing it online. No, no, no. You try to Google it and you're going to get Mahjong Solitaire. 20 years is a solitaire game. Oh, Mahjong, I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's play real Mahjong. Okay. Oh, what is this? Yeah, yeah. it has nothing. One has nothing to do with it the It looks other. like the tiles, but that's all. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe, this game says it's mid-18th century, but there are a lot of rumors that this game is thousands of years old. Whoa. What is the deal? Uh, Mahjong was a game of the great Qing the dynasty that ruled China from 1636 to 1912. Some purists link it to the Taiping Rebellion of the 1850s, or even Confucius. But the oldest authenticated written record found seems to be from the 1880s. Wow. Considering that porcelain was invented in China, I'd bet there are lots of ancient games played with porcelain tiles in their tradition. But if I had to bet, I'd say that Mahjong's as ancient as Calgon. Calgon, ancient Chinese. <laughs> I've played this game probably a hundred times, but it was so long since the last time I played it, I was super rusty. I was trying to put together the four wins as one of each wind, thinking that was a set, which I was completely wrong about. On which platform did we play the game? Tabletopia? Tabletopia, what we played we on. We did, okay. Well, here's the thing. We're still in quarantine during this 100th episode time, and we all know how to play Mahjong, but we thought, let's take a refresher. Let's get let's get up there and play Mahjong again, but we had to do it online, which we'd never do. Mm-hmm. Mahjong is a game that belongs in person. Yeah, absolutely. The feel of the tiles, the building of the wall, it is such an important part of the game. The clickety-clack sounds. Yes, <laughs> flipping that. up those tiles. It lost a lot for me online. What about you guys? Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I used to go over to Celeste's house because I have like a little mat where you can play on, put it on the table, uh-huh. and it's mm-hmm. set, and I pull them out. And you can, you can, it had a few extra tile sets, extra flowers, and I miss you guys. And stuff you can put in there yeah. in case you wanted to play, like with bonus points or not. Yeah. It had the counting sticks, and, and uh, it, it's something about, building the wall and hearing the clacking and shuffling it up. It's just fun. Yeah, it's one of those games where you don't just play it once and put it away. You, like, spend spend a good part of the day, like, resetting the wall and playing again. I can totally understand how this is a pastime for a lot of people. It is just a regular thing like having afternoon tea or stopping (laughs) for your coffee in the morning. There was a group of friends where I used to work 
where they would play every lunch, get together oh. and play for half an hour. Totally get it. Have you guys ever seen those halls where a bunch of people are playing Mahjong? Like That's got to be loud. It's loud and it's clacking. fast. And oh my God, you do not take time on your turn. You just go. What are you saying? Are you saying that we were a little uh, slow? Super slow. Oh my God. <laughs> so don't watch us play it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not one for our Twitch channel. <laughs> no. So there are four walls. One for each player. Which I never quite understood why it had to be that way. I think it's just supposed to like represent the Great Wall of China or something. Look, does it? I, I mean, because... walls can be metaphors for lots of things, but I mean, Europeans tend to actually look at walls as uh, bad things. <laughs> I'm sure that China does not feel the same way. What do they think of walls? Well, it kept the Mongols out. Well, good friendships make good neighbors, right? <laughs> I mean, when they built it, it was a functional thing they really needed to keep the invaders out. Yeah. This game is a rummy-style game in that you're collecting sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is an enjoyable way to collect sets. It's much more attractive than just collecting clubs and spades and diamonds. So it has fun suits that, that do kind of relax you. And the winds. The winds, the dragons. I'll give people a little piece of advice. Familiarize yourself with the tiles before you play. Mm. It will help because you think one tile might be part of a certain group and it actually is not part of that group. <laughs> because not, I'm not saying that that happened to me during the game, but that <laughs> happened to me during the game. They can get tricky looking because the symbology on these tiles can change from set to set too. That's a flower? Really? I have to kind of look at it eight ways to figure out how it's a flower. Yeah. Since we're in the giving advice mode, I would advise everybody to be ready to see the tile that you need get tossed one turn before you're allowed to grab. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're shoveling your refuse out the window, and I'm, and I'm there to receive it. But how'd you like to be after Mike? What yeah, are you talking about? Nine, I'm one of the fastest players six. here at the table. Are you done? How's, no, he's talking about the you're throwing out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's all garbage. Celeste. Yes, that's a common thing in this game. It's uh, the when you can and cannot pick up the discards. <laughs> and all of the discards are left, all the disc tiles, right, are left spread mm. out in front of you. So you get to see everything that's been. And cry when you see the pile of things you could have used <laughs> That you earlier. can't grab them. <laughs> right, because it's not a free-for-all. You can only pull from what the... Pri- person prior to you discarded is that correct uh, yep and only if it makes a set right that's a great idea free for all mahjong yeah, just oh. keep grabbing from the wall everybody yeah. grabs at the same time there'll be fights there'll be fist fights for sure oh is that the only time you can grab it out of turn is either for kong which is for four of a kind or mahjong which means i won i i kept getting frustrated when we were playing and i'm like you know, what, what do you mean I can't grab it for three of a kind? Even though, I, like I said, I played this game a hundred times. Yeah, actually, you can pick it up for three of a kind in, in some rules. Oh, see? There you go. <laughs> There's a lot of right, variants. going to all those conventions. There's so many variations to these rules. The sequence, the one, two, threes, are considered relatively light points. You actually don't score anything. It's just a way to get a meld. but To get closer to Mahjong, yeah. Right. And then, like, in order, in some variants, you have to have a certain strength to your rummy hand in order to actually call Mahjong. Like, even if you have Mahjong, it's not good enough to call Mahjong. <laughs> your, your Mahjong is too weak. Get out yes. of here with that crap. <laughs> what is, there's actually a gambling element to this. Oh, yes. You can bid how much you're going to do it. That's why 
It's done in gambling halls in China. Or in New York City. So where a room full of bridge players would be dead silent, a room full of mahjong players is the opposite. It is a busy, rowdy place. Yeah. The sound of those tiles, too, is just clack. <laughs> yes, there's so much clacking. I think the best part of the of the game when we played is when I picked up the tile and I said, Mahjong, and revealed my hand, and it was not Mahjong. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it, though. It damn well looked like it, didn't it? Eh, kinda. <laughs> it's a game where if you get your own Mahjong set, it's important to, really important not to lose any. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Mahjong. Evan? Oh, the damn solitaire game ruined me for this one. (laughs) Threw me off a bit at times. But, hey, the game was fun. It was social. It was engaging. Dig it up. Mike? It was a little bit frustrating and annoying to play it online for me, but I have so many great memories of this game, I have to dig it up. Joe? I'm kind of a sucker for any game where the dragons are mysterious and powerful. So I'm going to dig that up. Good point. Ed? There was a time I used to play this at lunch, and I loved it then, the the tactile experience. mm, There's just nothing like it on online play. You have to play this in person. It's fun. It's comforting. Dig it up. 100% agree with what everybody said. This is a great game. It must be played in person. It is a delight. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find Mahjong? Well, you can place it online. There are several places. But Mahjong sets can be purchased online and local game stores. If you have thoughts about Mahjong, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Hanafel Toffel, also known as Toffel or the Viking game. But here's the publishing information. It's from a long time ago. (laughs) Before we wade into this bloody breach, Mike, tell us what's in the box. This one actually doesn't have a box. It's just a rolled up piece of hand beaten leather tied up with hemp and rope. When you roll this out, there's a hand-painted lattice board and a leather bag containing 24 dark-colored stones and 13 light-colored stones, one with an X, etched onto the back of it to represent the king. And that's... What's in the box? That's all that's in the box? That's it. It's not even a box. (laughs) Well, before we tell you if this game is worth taking a break from chess for, Evan, tell us how it's played. Toffle Games, that's spelled T-A-F-L, by the way, Toffle Games, are a family of ancient Nordic and Celtic strategy board games played on a latticed game board with two asymmetrical armies referred to as the Attackers and the Defender. The Defender and his entourage begin in the center of the board with the Attackers surrounding them on each side. Each piece moves orthogonally and may move as far as it wants until blocked by another piece, the edge of the board or one of several special restricted spaces that only the king may occupy. To remove an enemy piece, you just need to place one of your pieces on the opposing side of it. The goals are simple. For the attacker, surround the king on all four sides. For the defender, get the king to one of their special spaces located in the corners of the board. And there you have it. The winner wins the honor of the whole country or something. The king escapes the surrounding invaders. Yeah, it's sort of like a game of royal tag. 
<laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. actually. Right, you have to tag the king before he gets to the corner. Mm-hmm. All right, so what is the deal with the history of this game? What is going on? This game is ancient. It began in Scandinavia, probably developed from a Roman war game called Ludus Latrunculorum. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce that. You know that Latrunculorum means chess, right? Latrunculorum? I had no idea. Yes, it does. Oh, that's cool. Which developed from Patea, a game of the Greeks. In its Scandinavian form, Nefetafel was taken through trade and invasion to the British Isles, to Iceland, France, Germany, Ukraine, Greenland. In addition to many finds in its ancestral home, boards, pieces, and literature from many variants have been found in diverse parts of Northern Europe. And it flourished until, of course, chess came and replaced it, kicked it right off the top. <laughs> My understanding is that chess, as we understand it today, was developed in India in the 11th mm-hmm. century or 12th century. Oh, I thought it was Persia. Um, it's a, there's versions of it where there's a bigger board. I think me and Joe had like a side quest thing that we talked about that. It's Chaturanga. Chaturanga, right. Mm-hmm. Ludus Latrunculorum was a game called the Game of Brigands, which was played throughout the Roman Empire. Well, that would predate chess, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks a little more like checkers. Yeah, I think there's a version that was like the 6th century. Well, checkmate comes from Shahmat, which means the king is dead. Uh-huh. In what language? Persian. Persian. Shah. It goes to show that soldier battle games on a grid have been around forever. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. As yeah. long as war has been around, probably. Mm-hmm. Now, here's my question. Did Hinefetafel win the Spiel des Jahres? <laughs> back then? I don't think they were calling anything the Spiel of anything back then. <laughs> so this one is, I thought, more simplistic than chess. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. I mean, learning it is really easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot more simplistic. I mean, things move left, right, up, and down. Yeah. <laughs> as far as they want to go. Yeah, everything's a rook. Everything moves like right. a rook. Everything mm-hmm. has the same movement rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the king. I like the fact that you can go as far as you want to, no matter what seems to be in your way. Until something else stops you, you can go as far as you like. Mm-hmm. It's almost like what it would be like with ships opposing each other which is you know what the vikings would have been all about absolutely like in chess you you move to a piece's location and take it off the board in this one here you don't bump a piece off with your piece by running into it you surround it and capture it yeah but you yeah. move in the way a ship does i get it yeah it's like sailing across mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. you come across an opponent right which makes more sense than the rook's movement like why is this castle moving all the way across the board mm. But these are people running to the corners and trying to escape. (laughs) The the Persians actually put chariots on the board, and they were moving like rooks. Oh, that's pretty cool. That makes a lot more sense. That's where the modern rook came from. Yeah, because chariots don't turn on a dime. (laughs) But the the board I saw in Tabletop Simulator had the the king in the center, and on each of the four sides were Viking ships of men coming out to get you. That's pretty cool. At first, it looks like it's going to be tougher to play that center group one player starts in the center group Mm -hmm. and the other player controls all four groups around them and has more pieces i thought oh boy these guys are going to get crushed you know how am i going to (laughs) get to the corner but then when you realize you only have to get one piece to the corner whereas they have to get in and surround that same piece on all four sides did not Mm -hmm. seem as unbalanced as it first looked it totally simulated the difference between the tactical challenges faced by the attacker and by the defender. Playing defense is different than playing offense. 
fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the king is buck wild out there. He's really hard to pin down, unlike the chess king, where he can only move one space. Yeah. This guy can run across the whole board. You're like, ah, oh, crap, yeah, get back be here. careful. Yeah. Unlike the other pieces where you only have to flank them to take them, you have to surround the king. That's almost impossible. <laughs> I don't know if it's almost impossible, but it's tough. <laughs> Before you've taken a lot of his pieces away, it's almost impossible. Yeah. The general consensus online is that it is easier to play the king's side hmm. and that they recommend that if you're going to play a game, you play both sides, meaning you play through two games. That makes sense because the, the east side is so different. You want to experience the strategy behind each one. Like, oh, when you're the attacker, now you got to position the guys around so that you can set up captors. I think it makes sense in a game like this, too, where you want to keep things even in an asymmetrical game by having you play both sides as kind of like a, a unit of a single game. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that bear game we played that did that? Uh, Tally Ho! Yeah, Tally, Tally Ho. Ho did that. So this game is exactly like Tally Ho. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're up. Something that's behind me. Yeah, I have zero idea what, like, what a good strategy is for this game. I think if you're an avid chess player, it might make more sense for you to play the attackers first mm. because it plays more like a chess game, I think. When you're the attacker and you're trying to get to a king. It's a good point. Whereas in chess, you're thinking similar ways, but in Heneftafel, you have to think differently depending on which side you're playing. I was surprised to see how far back this game went because when you think about what most historians refer to as the Viking Age, they said at 793 or 800 AD or something like that, and that was four centuries before that, around AD 400, a fragment of a Tafel-style game board was tossed into a bog in Vimos, Denmark, and this has been interpreted by archaeologists wow. and historians as an offering of war booty to the you know, war gods. <laughs> it probably wasn't the last time a Viking wrecked a game after rage quitting. <laughs> <laughs> Vikings don't rage quit, though. They just rage. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a, a uh, little bit of a tougher time picking up the strategy of this game because I played a lot of chess. And another thing that throws you off is the the special spaces that only the king can move into are traps for everybody else. Right. That's something actually when me and Celeste played, I think I we missed that rule that those those spaces count as hostile spaces on the board. Because I was playing against the computer. And I was like, ah, I'll block you. Oh, you took me. Mm, mm-hmm. That wasn't good. <laughs> yep. Whoopsie. <laughs> you can't camp the spawning <laughs> location. <laughs> right. Exactly. You can't just camp the exits and wait to snipe people when they go over there. Okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury Hanafel Toffel. Ed? The Viking game, I think, was interesting as an abstract game that's asymmetrical. And the strategy is very different than checkers or chess. So I would recommend you dig it up for the historical aspect to it. But as a, a game that I would put on myself, eh, not really. I'll bury it. Mike? Even though all the pieces move the same way, it still leaves you with a lot of tricky moves and strategies. And since I have a lot to learn on how to be great at this game, I'm going to say dig it up. Evan? I enjoyed playing this game, which I only played for the first time the other day. So after all these centuries, I finally <laughs> got I finally got around to it. I found it intriguing in certain ways, not as interesting as chess to me, but intriguing enough that I will dig it up. Joe? I can't throw this in the bog. We have to dig it up to play again. 
So my husband, Joe, who you just heard from, is quite the competent chess player, which is why I generally avoid chess and have for decades. (laughs) So this game was, I found, a nicer variant for me. Easier for me to grasp, easier to teach to my kids. Alas, not an abstract grid war game player. I will bury it for me. Mike, where can you find Hanafel Tafel? Bottom of a swamp. You have to get onto a Viking long ship. And uh, <laughs> this game is great for the apocalypse because you can make one yourself. It's just a grid and some rocks. <laughs> My friend Matthias Benici was actually working on getting this game reprinted because he has a game called Rampaging Jotun, which he thought this would be a really good companion for. Oh, so. interesting. I haven't been able to find it online yet. I don't know if it got published yet, but it is in the works. So hopefully we'll see that soon. I hope it does. Keep everybody posted on that. If you have thoughts about Hanafel Tafel, let us know. We are at Which Game First, and we'll be on social media celebrating our 100 episodes all week. Woo-hoo. Yeah. See you there. 100. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our 100th show. Yay! Yay! 100! We look forward to hearing about all your game exploring. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes of our patron-only podcast, bonus points. Bonus points! You can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, please leave us a rating, a review, a heart, a like, a shout out, a chime back, a ring, (laughs) whatever they are. Ring that bell on YouTube. That's right. Shout out your window. (laughs) Anywhere on social media or IRL. It really helps others find the show. It helps us grow. It helps keep the lights on. And it helps bring you more great episodes another hundred of which game first join our chat on our discord server we are at which game first and every thursday night 6 30 p.m we are on twitch live Twitch, 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 twitch twitch happy gaming explorers 100 down a few thousand more to go okay guys i promise this game will take less than 100 hours to play and that's us keeping it 100 but it's not the mocker